Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Equip You Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today is our friend and sister in Christ, Carrie. Carrie, welcome to the Equip You Grace podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate being here. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you uh, tell us briefly about yourself, your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects that you're working on? Well, sure. Um, I have to say that, that this is my ministry. I am home. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a wife. I've been married for 31 years. I have nine children. They're currently aged uh, six years, almost six years old, to 26 years old, and we've become grandparents. So I've got two small grandsons. Um, as far as other projects, as if that's not enough, just to be at home, <laughs> at home with the the husband and the children, um, I consider myself to be insatiably curious. I have uh, lots of projects. My family will laugh at just all the things I'm always working on or learning something new. And um, But I obviously like to write in my spare time and practice some herbalism. But other than that, my ministry is my home and my family. Amen. Amen. That's, that's, that's more than enough, you know, when, when we, it's had, more than enough. <laughs> when, when we, when we, I tell people when, like, I didn't really understand what it, what, cause we don't have kids. So when, when we had my sister-in-law live with us, with her, with her son for two and a half years, that was like eye opening what a, you know, what a mother goes through and how much just even being at home and then, you know, she would yes. work outside the home, how much that is like that that's all consuming so it was it's uh, a lot yeah it was really yep. eye-opening so when you when 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 you say that i'm like yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know that's 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 its own like job you know I'm like you know just stay at home you know you know you think yep. oh they're just cleaning the house and doing this and that it's like no nah, there's there's a lot more there than there's a lot more uh, there yes so yeah yeah well, uh, can you tell us about your new book, Slow Schooling, A Return to Learning as an Enjoyable Lifestyle, why you wrote it, and how it how you hope it'll be received or is being received so far? Oh, sure. Yes. Thank you again. Um, I wrote Slow Schooling for a number of reasons. Um, one is because I heard quite a bit, especially as I started homeschooling, that um, I was qualified to teach my kids because I was a former school teacher. I had taught in the public school arena for five years. And so, of course, people would say like, well, you can do that because you're qualified. You've got training and you know what you're doing. Um, but then the second thing I heard a lot of was, well, another person or another mom might say, well, I can't do that because, A, I'm not qualified, but they're not they don't feel smart enough or I'm not patient enough or my house is a mess or I'm not organized. There's all the reasons why they couldn't do it. But um, I always say to that, well, you're right. You're not organized enough and patient enough. And none of us are. And, but you know, we know who is, we know the one who is patient and, and kind and provides for our every need. Mm -hmm. So it's just a wonderful opportunity to grow in the Lord, even through learning how to homeschool and be home and, Quite honestly, being a school teacher was the biggest hindrance in my life of learning how to be a stay-at-home mom and and a homeschooler. So, 
when people tell me they're not trained to be a, a teacher to homeschool, I say, that's your, you're right ahead. You're way ahead of where I was. <laughs> so um, thirdly, um, the book flowed out of a blog post I had written and um, it was very well received. And I heard so much back from moms, especially really resonating with the message, which was to just relax already, to enjoy your children. Don't be so stressed about the academics as far as um, they have to get through a curriculum from, you know, September to June, or they have got to hit all these markers um, or their life's going to be ruined. And just so much, um, I think, I think as homeschoolers, we feel like we have to prove ourselves more because we're kind of outside the box and prove that our kids are learning and, and whatnot. And there's a lot of pressure in that, but I just wanted to encourage moms to just enjoy their children and enjoy being home with them. And what a beautiful opportunity that we have to do that, to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I really wanted to write, um, to those, those women and, um, that really resonated with them, but, to stop pushing so hard. So I wanted to write the book though, because I wanted to flesh out what that actually means. You know, it's one thing to tell someone to just kind of relax a little bit, but it's something else to say, well, how do I do that? Like, what does that even mean? So I wrote basically, well, this is how I approach it. This is how it works in my family um, practically. Um, so my book talks about not only um, the variety of subjects that we teach, you know, reading, math and whatnot, but um, the reasons why we teach them to begin with. What's the whole purpose of learning to read? Um, I wanted to um, also inform parents who maybe did not know or were not aware of some of the issues that are involved with the public schools. And of course, um, now, 20 years later, 26, 27 years later, it's so much more beyond than even what I was dealing with when I was in the school system. But some parents aren't aware. I think that's less the case now than when I started because there was no internet and you know, we couldn't zoom in into our kids' classes and see what was happening. But I wanted to just let them know that this this is what my experience was. And um, maybe it's not yours or your child's, but you should know that there's some um, problems there. Um, so there's a little bit of miscellaneous in there too, like how do you finance your schooling or what kind of media choices do you make for your children, all that. But ultimately, it was a selfish book because I wanted my kids to have um, an idea of how I approached schooling them and hoping that they would take those principles and apply them to educating my grandchildren. So it was kind of like a way to educate, homeschool my grandchildren in such a way and, and leave a legacy for them and how they were educated. That's, that's really good. Well, you were, you were just touching about on your, you know, your experience in the public school system. Yep. You know, in our audience, we have Christian teachers who are, they're in the public school. They're, you know, they're, or they're in a private Christian school. So what advice do you have for them, you know, to re remain faithful to Christ as a former teacher in the public school? That's a really interesting question because when I was teaching, I wasn't saved. I was, you know, I had zero interest in God. And um, so my experience as a teacher was definitely going to be very different from their experience as a, as a Christian walking in that environment. Um, I think the main thing is to do whatever you can to support and encourage parents. Mm -hmm. um, to try to remember, <laughs> this is really hard because I remember my training and even how I was thinking as a young woman at the time that you're really not the expert. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the parent is the expert. The parent knows their child more than anybody else. They, they're far more invested in their child's learning. And and as much as, you know, as teachers, we, we want our students to succeed and to thrive. Um, for the most cases, the parents are the ones that are really wanting that even more than you. And to just remember that you're a team player. You know, you're, you're coming alongside the parents for this common goal towards educating your children. You're not taking over the role. You're not, you know, t- teaching the parents of what they should be doing necessarily, unless they ask for that kind of advice, but be kind of more of a team player versus kind of a top-down model. Um, that's, I think, the best role that we can play as teachers in supporting families. Um, the next thing I think is so important, and I would say this to every Christian in whatever profession you are in, because yes, um, public schooling especially has its problems. It's a hostile environment in a lot of ways to Christianity and to Christians in particular. But you could say the same thing um, to lawyers, to to doctors in the medical field. This is not just a problem in, in public schools. Um, so I would beg, plead, you know, just belong to a Bible-believing local church, um, be in the Bible every day, study, fellowship. Um, I can't stress the importance of being a member of a local Bible-believing church because you just need that foundation. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter where you're working in the world, you are going to come across problems and issues. And I know the classroom load is hard. I know we spend all of our weekends and most of our summers planning, but you've got to have that time to just remember where your foundation is and who you're serving wherever you are. Um, so you need the body of Christ to help you walk in wisdom and discernment through whatever you're going through in your um, work environment. Um, also, um, I would definitely encourage you, if you haven't already, to purpose your heart ahead of time to what you will and won't be a party to in that environment, regardless of the outcome. Um, so, I mean, it's so obvious that, well, we're, as Christians, we're not going to bully a student for their Christian viewpoint, um, which does happen, but I'm obviously thinking not Christian, Christian teachers are not going to do that. But um, what might not be so obvious is maybe remaining silent in the teacher's lounge when those same students are talked about or their parents are being disparaged in some way um, to not remain silent because being silent basically is not acquiescing necessarily, but you're giving agreement to what is being said. And sometimes just having somebody say, well, I'm not sure about that, or what do you mean by that, or ask questions to kind of flesh things out, um, kind of puts the the pebble in somebody's shoe sometimes and and stops that and helps kind of reorient things a little bit. Um, just remember that you're, you're, you're not alone. There's Christians in so many professions having to purpose their hearts to what they will and won't do and their service to the Lord. And and understand too that there may come a time where you will have to uh, either resign or retire early because you will not be able to surmount what's being asked of you to do or to say or to teach in order to walk in peace with the Lord. And to not feel like that is a terrible thing to have to walk away from because of your training and your love and your calling towards teaching. 
but to know that, you know, God, He will provide a means of using those gifts and your training and your education in some other way that will be honoring to Him. There's just nothing more important than to to love Him, to walk in truth as best as you can. So please belong to a church, be really involved with you know, your studies and don't, and don't forget that of primary importance. That's what I would tell you. Mm, that is, that is beautiful. Wonderfully said. I, you know, you could say the same thing about, you know, just passing off your kids to, to the youth group, whatever view you have on that, you know, be, be yes. intentional, be purposeful. That's, that's what you're saying. And right. all of it. Yes. So it's yes. Uh, yes. really, really well said, really good. Really good. I like it a lot. So, um, you know, homeschooling, you know, we, we, I grew up in the church, so I've, I've seen, you know, kind of the both sides of this debate and it's not always pretty. Um, but so mm-hmm. homeschooling, you know, has gotten a bad reputation in the past for causing division in local churches, you know, where one, per, one, mm-hmm. one particular camp will say, we, you have to homeschool, you know, that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what can be done to resolve that? And, and what are your thoughts as an, on that particular topic as an advocate of homeschooling? Uh, as an advocate of homeschooling, I, um, I think about my, my local church specifically and, in my church, we have a variety of pe- uh, people educating their children in a variety of ways. We've got homeschoolers. We have uh, kids who are in co-op. We have um, children who are in public schools. And we, we have um, private schools. So we have the range. Um, and I just, it's hard for me to understand the div- where the division would come from, I guess, unless you're on a soapbox the only way I could think that would come is if you felt that, um, you know, the cross is not enough. Like, y- yes, you're a Christian, but it's it's Christ and homeschooling, or it's Christ and fill in the blank. And and if someone's not following that that rule of law that you set, then somehow they're less than Christian, or they're not Christian plus, or or whatever that is. And um, and it's just not true. I mean, things of a primary importance or of prime very important. Um, and also, I think there's just, a, you know, at least in, in, in my church, there's there's a respectful attitude towards, again, who's raising these children, that the parents are raising the children, that these children were given to those parents, and those parents are responsible for the raising up of them and the educating of them. And it's not my responsibility as a homeschooler to berate or otherwise debate you know, uh, somebody parent for making the wrong choices or, or, I mean, obviously I would think, I think, well, I think they're wrong because if I thought they were right, then I would be doing the same thing that they were doing and, and vice versa. Right. So if they thought homeschooling was so great, then they would be doing it too. So we have difference of opinion. Um, but because I, because I feel the way I do, and I obviously wrote a book, I tend to just think, uh, listen to what people say. So, for example, I if I hear a, a mom or a young mom say, you know, oh, I could, I can never, I can never homeschool my kids, you know, I, I'll ask why. Like, why is that? Why do you feel that you are unable to educate your children? Sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge of what the options are. Or, oh, I didn't know that support system was there, or I didn't know what the law was, or, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of educating somebody and what the, what they can be doing. Um, 
I always laugh at that question though too when people say, "Oh, I can never homeschool," and I and I think about like whatever they're doing, their private schooling or their public schooling, and I just want to turn it around and say, "Oh, I can never fill them. I can never public school." You know, I can never, <laughs> just it's such an odd thing to say to somebody, but I think just remembering that that there is no law. There's you know, "Thou shalt educate in a certain way." And to just respect the parents and respect them and how they're raising their children and be a support to them. What you just did there, you did you did a, a number of things has, that are really good. One, you cleared away the confusion on the topic. You focused on like you did earlier on the local church, and and really you invite people to ask them the question: What do you mean by that? You know, what is that? Yes. So that invites a further conversation, not just. Yes. You you think that way, you know, and and you're absolutely right. It it is a parent parental choice. It's not a, you know, if, if somebody, you know, I haven't seen this too often, but I've I've seen um, among some of my friends who are in pastoral ministry and other things in this kind of thing, and, and there's 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 people who do the same thing with private Christian school. You know, well, private mm -hmm. Christian school is the only way for your kid to go, or homeschooling is the only way, or it's like. It's the parents' how do you know? choice. How do you how do you know that that's you know it's a like you're saying it's a, it's a matter of choice. So you know when 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 yep. when I ask the question, I ask because I'm a concerned that not only with homeschooling but also with private Christian school. And and I've I've you know I was in I said I mentioned I've been a Christian since I was five. So I grew up through seeing kids go to you know Christian school. And then Christian college and then seminary and uh, th they didn't always turn out, you know, they weren't godly, you know, they some right. a, lot of, a lot of them left the faith even. And I think that's part of why there is division when you see it is because there is a abject fear that, oh, if I don't do this right, then my child will walk away from the faith or I'm, I, I love you so much. I, I'm concerned for your children. I, I like I'm I'm telling you this because I I'm I'm, a, I'm fearful that your children will walk away from the Lord if they go to public school, fill in the blank, you know, whatever. And I don't like to make decisions based out of fear. Number one, but number two, you don't have. Maybe this is a maybe this is a revelation, but you don't have the power to save your children, okay? <laughs> and you don't have you don't have no idea what the Lord is. In their life, and this is in their life, and all you can do is you know, to raise them up the best of your ability and wisdom and discernment, and just but all at the end of the day, you can't. And I wish, believe me, I, as a mother and a grandmother, I really wish I could just check that box and say, Oh, they're they're all saved, or even hear my child profess a faith and go, like, Oh, we're done, we're I've done that, I've done that. But it's just not true. You can't you can't put some sort of guarantee on how a child is going to turn out, no matter how they're educated or how they're raised. It's just not within your power to to do that. Um, so I would let that go and make your decisions not based on on that kind of a fear, but just based on this is how we're going to walk with the Lord in faith, regardless of an outcome. Yeah, that's really good. 
Well, moving away from that topic, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, advice for Christian parents and even, uh, you know, Christian, par- yeah, Christian parents and Christian teachers in schools and homeschooling. What, what are the practical benefits uh, for children being homeschooled? Oh, this is when I get to be on my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, homeschooling. <laughs> so homeschooling is great. I mean, uh, first of all, just the fact that my kids can sleep and get some sleep and um, not have to be woken up and uh, taken out to a school bus early in the morning. I know that sounds minor, but to some people, but their bodies are developing. They also can have nourishing home cooked meals for their brain development. If we're at, you know concerned about uh, food and their uh, health, um, but mostly I appreciate just individualizing their instruction. When I was teaching, I had at one point I had 34 children in my classroom, and they were all you know fourth, fifth grade combinations. Which I will say I loved teaching. I mean, it was my calling, and just and I loved all those children. But um, I just remember one time talking to my husband later, years later, saying, "I know why I was so frustrated teaching." And it was because I was trying to homeschool each and every one of those children because I was trying to meet each and every one exactly where they were at because you can't teach them all, you know, the same thing. Um, it's impossible, but I was just trying to, you know, I have gate student, which is a gifted and talented student and I'd have somebody in remedial and, and you just try to meet each and every one. And, and it's so difficult, but you know, when you have your own child at home, it's, you know, one, two, three, whatever you have, however many you have, it's not 34 here. We don't have litters. Okay. Um, but you can meet what their interests are and where their um, where their own academics are. Um, you have a more of a respect for their abilities and their talents and nothing's really off the table in their education. Furthermore, you have them all day long and you are able to give them the character training and, and habit training and habits and and discipline them as as is needed and when it, when it's needed. Um, I will also say, though, however, a benefit. Maybe you don't see it as a benefit, but it's very sanctifying because God is training my character as a homeschooling mom and disciplining me as well while I'm, you know, home with my children all day long. Um, you do have all that time with your kids, and it's sometimes really difficult. But when I think about that, you know, that scripture about you know up, rising up and down as you walk along the way, it just seems like in, in the course of it, an everyday normal life. Um, I also see it as just a chance to give uh, my children an extended childhood. They don't have to, they don't have to grow up so fast. I don't have to rush them through um, grades, curriculum, whatever, in order to achieve some end that I think is, you know, whatever. It's, it seems like there's never an end. You know, wait till you get to the next grade, and then you graduate, and then what? And it's just it's just constant push towards something. But um, it just gives them a chance to be bored. I think boredom is really good for kids, you know, to be able to cultivate an imagination and and to think and to have nothing to do. I think that's a really ben- very beneficial. Um, of course, being at home and as Christians, we're going to raise them in an environment of godliness, um, not in secularism, multiculturalism, whatever the ism is of the day. Um, we also have. This is really this really shocked me too when we started homeschooling. It doesn't take a lot of time to get through the subjects. It's it's so f- quick. I'm teaching my five almost six year old right now, and and we're at the table for maybe I don't know forty five minutes, 
and he's done for the rest of the day. My high schooler will spend between two and four hours. He's done for the rest of the day. It just opens up all this opportunity for uh, service or volunteering or a job or hobbies or whatever. It's just, it's just, the, my children have so much opportunity to do so many other things than be in a book. Um, and I don't want to brag, but <laughs> I feel like a little bit, but the studies have been done about their academic achievements and their socialization and homeschoolers do really, really, really well. They really do. And it doesn't even matter what curriculum they use. It didn't, it doesn't even matter if the parent had a college education or didn't graduate from high school. Those students and those children are doing really well in the world. Um, and speaking of socialization, because sometimes that does come up, um, I find that homeschooling children, generally speaking, and we we saw this even before we started homeschooling our own, they are just able to interact with people of all different ages, from babies to elderly. And that's just part, again, it's just part of being in life. You know, as adults, we don't hang around our own, you know, 50 whatever year olds, right? We have people and friends of all ages. And I find that to be true with my my children too. They have friends of all ages. It's so beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. It's one of the reasons I love teaching a multi-age classroom when I was teaching because of that variety of ages. Um, so there's just so many benefits to homeschooling. I just really encourage parents to um, consider them, consider them and, and how not scary it could be. It could be a real beautiful thing. That's that's a really good answer. Um, how can parents get involved in homeschooling their children? This this is an interesting question because um, so when people come to me or they ask me, you know, you know how I don't even know how to get started or like what do I do? And you know, part of me just wants to go to like, well, you know, let's let's figure out what the homeschooling laws are for your state. Right. Um, by the way, HSLDA is a wonderful organization to find out what those laws are um, for your state and will help you with paperwork and all of that. It will also help you to not provide more information than is necessary for the school district to know about your family. But so rather than going straight there, I want to tell the parent that you already are homeschooling. You've been homeschooling since you had your baby. Okay. <laughs> so you've been doing it all of their lives already. You've been teaching them. You've been teaching them that there's a routine in life you're, or you're teaching them there's no routine in life. You're teaching them that they'll be disciplined. You're teaching them they won't be disciplined. You're teaching them when feed, food, time, you know, feeding time is or meal times are. You're teaching them we sit at the table. You've been teaching them all of their lives already. So it's not like I have to begin something. It's rather that you actually are going to start continuing what you've already started. Okay. So when you were like, you know, a parent and you had sleep issues, for example, with your child, you know, what did you do? You asked other parents, you asked your extended family, you um, maybe you read a parenting book, you know, you did things to find out this information of how do I do this with sleeping? And it's the same thing with teaching algebra, you know, or whatever you want to think you need to be teaching your child. You're going to ask questions. You're going to talk to other parents. You're going to read, you might read a book on this thing. So it's not any different than what you've already been doing. Um, homeschooling is not that different. So that aside, just embrace the fact that you're already teaching your child. Um, HSLDA is a great place to go just for laws to make sure that you're following the, the law. 
And then also there are a lot of really great homeschooling um, Christian discipleship conferences. Um, you'll be overwhelmed, in fact, by the amount of really good teaching that you can get from there, but also the curriculum, the curriculum, the, the flood of curriculum that you have choices over. I mean, that's a whole other problem in and of itself, I think, is just how you wade through all of that. There's no lack. There's no lack of materials to help you in any way, whether you want to do it by book, by video, by tutor, whatever. There's You have so many opportunities, podcasts, um, YouTube. Um, it's almost overwhelming, but you will not be in need or want of help in any way. And there's people like me who, who want to help you. So <laughs> ask. Are there any uh, particular, you know, curriculums that, that you recommend to people who are getting started or maybe they're looking for a new one? Which, which ones would you recommend to them? I think the most important, if you want to call it curriculum, to teach your child is the Bible. And you probably already have one at home. So I would start start there <laughs> and, um, you know, front to back, all the, all the books. Um, I think that's just, I always say that the most important things for my, when I think about teaching my children and graduating them, like what would give me such a pleasure to feel like, okay, I, I, I did it. <laughs> and there's two things. One is I want them to know the gospel. They've got to know the gospel. They've, you know, it's, they've got to know what it is, what it means, repentance and faith. And that, and again, that's not to say that, oh, let's check the box. You've been saved. Uh, that's not up to me. But it, this, they have to have knowledge, proper knowledge of what that is. Um, and then secondly, they need to know how to learn, how to learn, how to learn. So do they know how to read? Because if they know how to read, a, they, they can read the Word of God for themselves, which I think is the most important reason to learn to read. But B, they, there's nothing they can't learn. There's nothing they can't go out and, and figure out at that point. All right? So as long as those two things are in place, they know the gospel, they, they know how to learn, they're curious, I don't want to squash the curiosity, um, then it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what curriculum you're using. And, there's, and you will you will buy curriculum and it will not work for you sometimes. <laughs> so you know, let that go. Forget like I'm going to pay this one fee in September and we're going to march through it all the way to June until we finish it because you might get to October and this is not working. This is, I, this is horrible curriculum. This is not great. And you know what? Your next kid or the third kid, that's going to be the best thing in the whole world for them. So you're not going to find this perfect match for your family or your child and have it work for every other child you have after that. Um, it takes some trial and error and figuring out what works and being willing to let things go. So no, I don't recommend a, a particular curriculum. Some families just really do well with, I just want the company to tell me what to do. And we've done that because there are, there are times that I just need that. And there, and then there are, times where it's very eclectic and we're just doing this and that. Um, so there's no, there's no, there's no perfect curriculum. Of course we want to be God honoring and, but I don't even shy away from curriculum that necessarily wants to teach evolution because I want my kids to recognize it and see it and be able to recognize, you know, logical fallacies and in the world. Uh, we don't want to necessarily raise them just not 
understanding or seeing these things, but to do it in an environment where we can actually talk about them um, and teach through them. So just go to a curriculum fair, even if you're not homeschooling, even if you are a Christian public school teacher with no children at home, go to a Christian homeschooling conference and listen and go to the curriculum fair and see what is out there. Because I guarantee you're going to have a parent at some point who is struggling and whatever, and you're going to have this opportunity to say, hey, have you considered keeping your kid at home? And you'll be able to give them some resources and and encourage them in that way. There are There's lots of help out there for them. So yeah, that's how I would start. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom there for sure. Uh, a lot of real, that's a really good answer. You know, you, we've talked about the local church and, and, you know, the importance of it, um, being a member and all those things. Absolutely 100% agree. We talk about it on the, on the show all the time. Uh, but what role should the local church play in supporting those homeschooling their children? Uh, well, again, we're not going to be up in the pulpit expanding on all the benefits of homeschooling and how you have to homeschool and you're not a Christian if you don't. Um, I think there are a number of things. One is to recognize that the natural family, you know, it's it's God's design for the foundation of our society. It's not a cultural idea. It's not a European idea. It's God's idea. And so the church really needs to support and encourage marriage, support and encourage families. Um, I think there also needs to be accountability and checking in with the fathers of those families. You know, how, how, how is the spiritual leading going in those families? Uh, again, we don't want to make, just like, you know, we don't want to make the, the teacher, like a school teacher, an expert of educating the child. We don't want to make the, the pastor an expert of spiritually guiding a child either. It's the, the, it's the father's responsibility and their role. So we want to support them in, um, in doing that. Um, I think checking in with mothers or mothers checking in with other mothers to making sure that nobody's burning out. Because again, there's a lot of pressure to homeschooling mothers. Um, there's pressure already with stay-at-home moms. You know, you have to feel like you have to prove something because you're not having a career out in the world necessarily. Um, so it just feels like it's a little more burdensome, and uh, you're a little more under the, the in the fishbowl in that sense. You know, being watched, um, um, providing some uh, monetary support if needed to families or our single parents who need help with curriculum or you know paying for them to go to a conference or just supporting, just like any other thing that they would be doing in life, right? Letting your congregations know about conferences that are good to go to, because there are secular there are secular homeschool conferences, but there are also Christian ones who are focused. I will say the best Christian homeschooling conferences are the ones that are not focused on homeschooling per se. They are homes. They are focused on discipling, discipleship, and homeschooling is a tool in that. Versus going to a secular homeschool conference where the whole point is the schooling, okay? Um, and I know this might step on some toes, and I'm truly sorry, but please encourage families to worship together. It's I. It just this is just my thing. I, it's not a law, but when, when we when we encourage families to separate, you know, to to you know have the parents in service and send the kids off somewhere else. It's just, it's just a, to me, it's just another way of, um, another way of just separating the family. And, and I would, I would encourage families to worship together. And I know it's loud and I know children get antsy and they get wiggly and I know all of the things, but that's their unit. That's the, the God given unit 
that, that he's created. And so encourage them to stay together. I, mean, I think too, like with, we have all these youth groups everywhere. And, and, and I know we've seen some, you know, some positive things come out of that, but a lot of negative things too. And I think, wow, what would be, how different could it be if we had a dad group instead? Why, why, why are we having a youth group? Let's have a dad group. Let's teach the fathers how to disciple their children, how to, you know, how to teach their families, how to lead their families in worship. Let's do the dad groups instead of the youth groups. But those are just some things that are, that are my opinions as far as how a, a, a church can be supporting any family, whether they're homeschooling or not. But we're talking about two opinions right now. It's it's in the Bible, guys. It really is. <laughs> just kidding. Like two Corinthians when Trump said it. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're having a little bit of fun with this. But the the point is, yep. you know, though that you know we we see family worship, you know, by practiced by the reformers and the Puritans, and and we should be intentional as that as if you're a guy, yep. you know. You should, and you, if you're a dad and your church has a youth group, you should be involved in that. If you're a parent, same thing applies. Yes. So, so yep. you know, nobody is like uh, no anti-youth group or whatever. I think there's some advantage. I went through youth group. I think if the youth group is focused on expository preaching and teaching the kids theology, that could be right. that could be a win, you know, and bringing yes. the parents along. That could be yep. a win. It could be a win having a dad's group and, you know, uh, just having the kids join there. That's a win, you know? I mean, just pastors have to figure that out. You know, that's a pastor yep. and an elder pol church polity issue anyway. So, you know, yep. we, we yep. just, I'm just, I'm just saying that when, when you say, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but just, you know, to clarify for people who listen and watch, you know, it's, if you're a pastor, you know, you should be thinking about these things, uh, uh, very, very carefully, you know, and uh, to help the people and and structuring this ministry around the, the word to, to really help the youth. Because, I mean, we both know and, yep. and people know um, if you're concerned about this, let's let's do something about it as a church. You know, right. you know, uh, right. if you're if you're concerned about the, the, the future of our country and the education, let's let's talk about it. And then let's not just stop there. Let's do something you know let's let's put those right. convictions to, into practice so right 100 yep so carrie uh where can people go to find you on uh, social media or otherwise um okay so i am actually in the process of leaving instagram so you can't find me there <laughs> um, but um i am on a new social media platform called noster it's pretty new and it's not the easiest thing to join because it's pretty new, but it's uncensorable and um, and I, I get to own my own content. So what a concept, <laughs> all my pictures are mine. Um, so you can find me there and I'll send you a, a, a make sure that I email you Dave, the, the my, my, my public key, if anybody's interested in working that out and finding me there. But otherwise you can subscribe to uh, my writing at a happy home media on Substack. Um, that's where I write about how my faith, um, just my, so I'm so appreciative to the Lord and to, to God for giving me opportunity to do what I'm doing. And I just, it's my place where I kind of work out just the everyday things of living the life that I'm living and how my faith applies, applies there. So it's happy home media on Substack. It's a lovely community. Um, I welcome anybody to come. It's, um, it's free unless you want to support me there. Um, and lastly, I do have three other books that you can find on Amazon. Um, I've published on this theme of being 
present with your family multiple times and what that and what that means. But otherwise, if you're in the area, I'll put the kettle on for you some tea. That's where I'm at. I'm at home. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, there's there's always uh, I always say at the end of all these that there there's always so much to talk about and we've really only scratched the surface. So do you have any takeaways for those who listen and watch this that you know they want to get involved in homeschooling but they don't know how or any other thoughts like that? Oh sure. Um, well, first of all, again, thank you so much. This has been really enjoyable. It's been a really lovely conversation. Um, I think ultimately is. <laughs> I have to talk to the parent there. It's like the main thing is that if God has blessed you with children, you are qualified to teach them. Period. The end. <laughs> uh, there's no, there's no shortage of help. There's no shortage of support. Should you decide to embrace learning as as a lifestyle, um, there's just so much opportunity there to to learn and to grow. And um, just like you want your child to learn how to whatever you can learn to homeschool you can god provides he, he will provide for you to to do things that are in accordance with his will um you know the saying is how the, the days are short or, um no it's the days are long but the years are short and it's so true and i see that with just my killed my children how they've grown up so fast i just i really encourage parents especially to not miss don't miss their childhoods. Don't miss their kids' childhoods. And don't miss the opportunities that you have currently to disciple them and to love them, you know, no matter how you're educating them. Just embrace that. Yeah, that's that's really good. I mean, you know, we all know life goes fast. You know, you, you blink and you're like, Wow, where did that go? You know, where did twenty years go? Yep. Where did where did where did this year go? I mean, it just felt like this year yep. started, you know, and here yep. we are, we're on another one. So here we are. Yep. That's that's really good, Carrie. And I've enjoyed I've really enjoyed um our conversation as well. Well, guys, um, the the book Carrie's book is "Slow Schooling: A Return to Learning as an Enjoyable Lifestyle." I want to encourage you to pick it up on Amazon and also go and check out her her blog uh, on Substack. Uh, I think you'll you'll find a lot of good encouragement there. And uh, Carrie, thank you so much again for your time and for your thoughtful answers. Lots to lots to chew on there. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks so much. See you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.